Chase Mountain Baptist Church is um, 105 years old. And if it was a book, it would be a book that would be made up of a number of sections, and each one of those sections would have chapters. And uh, those sections would probably be divided among the pastors. In 105 years, our church has had 15 pastors over that time. And so each pastor would have a section, and in that section there would be chapters that would show how God has used this fellowship to be a light of the world and to be a light on the hill and to be able to spread the gospel. It's a place where people have come to learn about God's Word and to provide comfort. And so that would be a 105-year-old book. In March uh, of this year, I will celebrate my 20th year. And so I would be fortunate that at this point I've got at least 20 years uh, that are in this, in this 105-year book. And in that uh, 20 years, that would be a section, and then in that section, there would be different chapters. And so if you looked at those chapters and say, how would those chapters be broken down? I think it would all start with um, shortly after I got here and we put together a, um, a sort of a long-range planning team, I was drawn to a passage of Scripture, found Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 2, found in the message, Eugene Peterson's uh, translation in contemporary English of the message, and it, it just grabbed me. And this is what it says. It says, when Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. And those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. And arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and he taught his climbing companions. I love that. <laughs> it is committed climbing companions. And when I read that, it just jumped out at me and said, that's who we are to be. That's who we are at Shades Mountain. We're the committed climbing companions. And we climb that mountain. We sit at the feet of Jesus and we listen to what he teaches us. And then this is what he told them. And in Matthew 5, verses 15 and 16, he says this, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. And I thought that capsulized who we are as a church, is that God has placed us on this mountain, on a light stand, and our responsibility is to shine. And so if we were looking at chapters in these last 20, one of them would be about our light stand our facilities, our campus-wide master plan. In 2002, we developed the master plan, and we began to take steps to make that plan become a reality. And part of the reason was that we needed some real help in trying to take a disjointed uh, campus and, uh, and make it a little bit more accessible. To give you a better understanding of that, we're going to take a blast from the past and go back to 2002 and take a short video clip from our 2002 Journey of Faith video. Light of the world. We are trying to communicate the spirit of our church to the rest of the community, but we want our whole facilities to communicate the exact same attitude and philosophy of ministry as we have on the inside. I believe the challenges that our church has today are centered around our facilities that we have. The number one negative comment is, I can't find my way around the building. We're usually dropped off right outside under the awning. Go inside and his class is, is right down the hallway. To take hope, you have to park 
park in the back parking lot, walk up the stairs into the uh, bottom floor of the worship center where the elevators are. Then you go down the long hall into to where her class is. Holly, you go out of the balcony doors into the, uh, what do you call that, upstairs of Columbiana Place into another building, the Gears Building, and down a hall. And she's in a little corner classroom there. And then to get to Heather's classroom, we have to go up the stairs in the Gears Building down another hall to her room. And then to get to our Sunday school class, you go down that hall and go from Gears to Dobbins and then go up two more flights of steps to get to where the Young Married Sunday School class is. <laughs> <clears throat> Needless to say, it was evident that our uh, facilities were not member or guest friendly. Uh, it was hard to get around. So over 15 years, what we did, we upgraded our facilities to improve the matriculation patterns and also to provide space to meet ministry needs. We were constantly being reminded that the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. And so we needed to invest in our lampstand here. We needed to invest in our home base. But that same year in 2002, we would also open up another chapter. And that other chapter is our missions and our vision of going outside the walls of our church and to be a light of the world. To best summarize that, I want to take a short segment of a video that we use in our Discover Shades class as we share the history of our church. And so uh, get a feel for the missions vision that we've had in our church since 2002. In 2002, Pastor Danny felt God's call to raise the stakes on what obedience to the Great Commission looked like at Shades and launched the 2010 Vision. The challenge was to send transformed people outside the walls of the church into all 50 states, plant churches in five states, plant a church in every IMB region, and send missionaries to all 24 time zones in the world. Oh, and one church in Canada, eh? Not only that, but it went really well and led to another major plan called Touch the World 2015, which launched yet another massive outreach and missions-focused campaign that included compassionate justice work around the world. In five years, 6,000 transformed people were sent to 17 states and 63 countries to influence the world. Later came a capital campaign called Chapters in 2013, where money was raised to update all of Shade's facilities as well as major mission advancement projects. With the completion of that campaign in 2017, the 15-year facility master plan is complete and Shade's is debt-free. Which sort of brings us to today. sort of brings us here to today. And if you need to summarize over the last 15 uh, years of what the members of this church have done, this is how you would summarize it. The first thing is that over 15 years that we have been on 682 short-term mission trips. And uh, should that come up over here? Uh, 682 short-term mission trips, kind of like it's, there it is, yes. Uh, 682 short-term mission trips and we have ministered in all 50 states, and we've also been in 80 different countries. Uh, we have had 18,500 members that have been participating. And so from our people, we have covered a great amount of the world here. In this, out of these people who have gone, we have 190 people or 62 family units that have gone into full-time missions work. That means that they have stepped away from what they were doing here and they feel God has called them either North America or around the world and it represents 62 family units. Our entire campus uh, facilities have been updated and we stand today debt-free. And so when you look over 15 years, you say, 
that's some great chapters in the life of our church. But now it's time to turn the page for the next chapter. And I can't think of a better way of turning the page of the next chapter is to follow those same men that Jesus was talking to in Matthew chapter 5 and go to Matthew chapter 9. And so if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 9 and want to look at the last few verses of that chapter starting in the 35th verse. Matthew chapter 9. He talked to those climbing, committed companions and he talked to them about being the light of the world. And then they began to follow Jesus around. And when you get to Matthew 9, you come to verse 35, and this is what it says. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, what you do is you look in this verse and you look at the very beginning of this verse. He says that uh, Jesus saw the crowds. Now, how did he see the crowds? He saw the crowds. uh, First of all, he said he had compassion on them. And when he has compassion, that word compassion is an interesting word. It's a word, the Greek word is splachna. That just sounds kind of, ugh, it's coming up from here. And that word splachna really meant the inward parts of a person or an animal. It meant like the intestines. And at that time, it was the seat of emotions. And praise God, we moved up from that to the heart. Uh, nothing worse than coming to your girlfriend and say, hey, I love you with all my intestines. Uh, that just somehow doesn't come across as much as I love you with all of my heart. But that's what it was. It was a seat of the emotions. And when it said that he had a compassion on the people, he looked at them and he saw with pity and with compassion. And he was moved. And he saw the crowds, first of all, as shepherdless sheep. Because he said here, they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were weary. They were harassed. They were scattered. They were exhausted. They were without direction, without purpose. They didn't have a clear understanding of God. And when he stood there and looked out, he saw them like that. And see, oftentimes we look at this verse and we say, well, that's all he saw. He just saw these shepherdless sheep. But no, he saw a second thing. And he saw that they were ripened for harvest. He saw a ripened harvest. Because in verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. So as he looked at these people who were shepherdless sheep, he also said, these are people who are ready to come into a relationship with God. We just need to get more laborers out there. The harvest is there. We need to get some laborers out there. And we need to harvest this ripened fruit. And so when you look at this passage of Scripture, and as we begin to turn the page for the next chapter in the life of our church, I can see three things that Jesus challenges us to do. And the first thing that Jesus challenges us to do is to see people as Jesus saw them. To see people as Jesus saw them. If Jesus walked through your neighborhood, your office, the summit, the Galleria, Patton Creek, Wald Park, Veterans Park, Southside, or downtown, what would he see? He wouldn't see people as black or white, Asian or Hispanic, Auburn or Alabama, gay or straight, rich or poor, educated or uneducated. He would see what he saw 2,000 years ago, shepherdless sheep, and he would have compassion. But he would also see them as a ripened harvest. And see, what happens to us is too often we get too depressed with the direction our nation is going. 
And a lot of times we'll look out and we'll see where sin abounds and, and just see it's a hopeless situation. Or we see people whose lifestyles are so contrary to what God's word says. And when we look at that, we go, well, that's just hopeless. That's not how Jesus looked at it at all. He saw the shepherdless sheep, but at the same time, he saw the ripened harvest. And so we need to do that also, to look and see through Jesus's eyes. We're to have a compassion for those that are seeking after God. We need to be able to see it's a ripened harvest waiting for laborers to come and to share with them. And that's the second thing. And that is that we would pray that God would send people to reach them. So anytime we look out over the world, anytime we look over our neighborhood and we look over the malls that we shop in or the ballparks that we play in, Every time we see people, we need to be praying, God, send people to reach these people, send laborers to come into the harvest. But then the third is this, and that is to live sent. That is to live sent. What is so fun about this story is that uh, at the end of chapter 9, he talks to his disciples, and he says, uh, you need to pray. You need to pray for the Lord of the harvest. You need to pray that laborers will come, and they will uh, come and, and, and get this ripened harvest. And then what happens is he tells them to pray. Then he comes in verse 10, in chapter 10, and he calls his disciples. He calls the 12 to him. Uh, he gives them authority and power. And in verse 5, he says, these 12 Jesus sent out. So in verse 37, they're praying. And in chapter 10, verse 5, they're sent out. So it's praying and going, and they go together. And unless you see people that are harvestable, you'll never pray to the Lord of the harvest. And when you get your eyes right and you see people, you see the power of God, you say, you know what? Every person needs to hear the gospel. And I want to pray that God raises people up in that office, in that community, on those ball teams, on that dance troupe, that they'll be able to lead people to Christ. And at that same time, when you do that, you be ready because God's going to say, you're the one I'm sending over here. You got to live sent. And what live sent means is that I'm living uh, and prepared that God, whenever, wherever you want me to use me, I am ready. My life is ready. I am there. Live sent. So we are to be live sent. And part of the vision for our church and where we see us going over these next years as we move into this next chapter is that we will be sent, we will live sent, and we live sent in various places, and I want to outline those for you. First of all, when we look at Live Sent Where, the first place is that we want to be community engagement, community engagement. A year and a half ago, we did a survey to the church, and you responded, and your response in that survey, the number one response was, I feel we need to be more engaged in our community. We're doing some great stuff in North America and overseas, but we need to be more engaged and intentional in reaching our community. So we created a new staff position, Minister of Community Engagement. And Steve Browning, we moved him from students into this particular position. And he's just been hitting a home run already and calling our attention to what does it mean to be involved in community engagement. And so what Steve did was he took and created a rectangle to define what our community is. It's not just Vestavia, but it is a, uh, if you just look at it in this way, that from north and south, it goes, the north part is Homewood, southern part is North Shelby County. We go far west to Hoover and Ross Bridge and far east to Liberty Park. And so if you look within this rectangle, this is what we're identifying as our community. And so we want to pour in and permeate this community. And so <clears throat> we have putting together teams. They're called community engagement teams. 
And a number of you may want to be a part of these. I'm going to outline them really quick. And uh, hopefully something will jump out at you and say, wow, that's something I'm interested in. The very first thing is our schools. And this was really the first um, directive that, that we have come up with that we feel is a great need in this community. Most people move over the mountain because of the school system. Never fails. Whenever you ask people, why did you move here? Uh, it's usually because of the excellent school system. And we do enjoy some of the finest education in the state. But however, as good as our schools are in our area, there continues to be mounting pressures on teachers from government regulations to shifting attitudes of students. And there's a growth in discouragement among teachers, which at the least adversely affects their teaching and the students' learning, and at the most, it results in quitting their profession. As the body of Christ, we will identify the greatest needs of teachers, administrators, and coaches. We will come alongside of them and embark on an aggressive and comprehensive initiative of ministries to strengthen them spiritually, professionally, and emotionally. And shades will permeate every school over the mountain with a gospel influence through the lives of live-sent believers. Our goal is over these next 10 years is to be able to permeate every school over the mountain with live-sent believers to go in to work with the teachers, the coaches, the administrators, and say, what is it that we can do for you? We've already put together a, a team of people uh, who are in, in those areas, and they've been giving us feedback as to what the great needs are. And so we're going to go through, we're going to adopt schools and say, hey, we'd love to come in and help you. We've already got our first one that's agreed. Vestavia Hills East Elementary School is going to be our first school that we will adopt. Mark Richardson is the brave principal. It's going to let us come in and minister to them. And we appreciate that. So um, thank you, Mark. And uh, we will be putting teams together and we're going in there. We're not going in there with a shades plan. We're going in there with a Vestavia East plan. What is it that your teachers, administrators, coaches need? We've already got a list of things we're putting together of how we're going to get in there and we're just gonna love on them and try to support these teachers along the way. We've also taken this to a, uh, another uh, area and that is first responders and public service employees. Uh, we want to do the same thing with the first responders that are in our community and also with public service employees. A lot of public service employees, a lot of times don't get a whole lot of pats, pats on the back. They get a lot of complaints, but don't get a lot of pats on the back. And first responders, and especially in today's environment, it just seems a lot of times they're just getting attacked from a lot of different sides. And there's stress in all of these. And so what we want to do is, as a church, we're putting together teams that will minister to them. We've already got a leader of a team that even working to do chaplaincy work among some of our first uh, responders. But our goal is to meet needs, to build trust, and earn the right to speak in their lives, to break down walls and barriers. And then our hope is that we can be a people that they will come to when they have health issues or marriage stress or difficulties in parenting or need spiritual needs, that we will have earned the right to share the gospel with them. And so that's our hope. And that's our goal, to be able to move in and to love on these people. Uh, something that uh, Chad Kossaboom did, they've put together, you saw the uh, promotion about date night, which is just taken off. Uh, it's a great night. They offer childcare and an opportunity for a husband and wife uh, to uh, just have a great time together. And what we do is uh, we've offered uh, opportunities for some of the policemen in, in Vestavia Hills to say, we'll pay for it. We'd like for you to come and be a part of that if you want to take that offer. So it's things like this that we're trying to do to reach out in our community. And uh, our hope is that over the next few years, people, when you say, do you know about Shades Mountain Baptist Church? They don't just say, well, it's a big old church on the hill, but they will say, oh yeah, 
That's the church that's been involved in our schools. It's been touching the lives of our teachers, administrators, coaches, and, and students, and with our first responders, and on and on like that. Uh, next of all is a, a ministry called Curious, and I know we spelled it with a K, and that's on purpose, uh, but it's a ministry for spiritually curious in our community. We have some that have shown an interest to say, I'd like to be a part of this, and it's just people gathering together, eat, drinking coffee, and just talking about spiritual matters. We're putting together community engagement teams for that. Then there's also community events and sponsorships. A lot of that is working with Chamber of Commerces, uh, both here and also in Hoover, and saying, how can we be involved more so in helping with those events and even helping sponsor some of those events? There'll also be prayer walking. And what we'll be doing is we will put together teams who want to prayer walk around schools. We'll prayer walk around uh, shopping areas. We prayer walk around neighborhoods. But uh, we're going to intensify our prayer efforts. And so we'll have prayer walking teams. They'll be a part of this. And then also healthcare advocates. Now, healthcare advocates, we're not opening up a clinic over here, so don't, don't go that route. But what healthcare advocates are doing is that we want to serve those in the community who are going through a health crisis. We don't practice medicine, but we will provide spiritual support and tangible service to those in need. Now, anyone who has uh, aided an aging parent or a critically, chronically ill child knows the stresses and how hard that journey can be. What we'd like to do is have healthcare advocates, people that will come alongside of you to help you through that journey, to say, you know what, we've gone through this before in our own lives, and, uh, or else to give you, with all the changes that are happening uh, with our health system, to at least help people, to maybe give them some guidance and direction for some questions that they may have. Healthcare advocates. And then also Shades Host. Shades Host would be a community team that whenever someone comes and has a, uh, a, um, uh, an opportunity to use our facilities, we'll have hosts all throughout this building that will greet them as they come in, take care of them, give them a great guest experience as they're here. And then last of all is our neighborhoods. Community engagement teams for neighborhoods. How can you best reach your neighborhood? How can, some of you may say, I'd like to either put on a block party or do a gathering to get neighbors to come in. How do I do that? We will put together teams that will train you and help you to go into your neighborhood and be able to be a strong witness for Christ in there. So in our community engagement, you see the teams that we have. But we also, not just the parent, uh, not just the teachers, but we're also going to continue to minister to the children. And one of those is our After the Bell for kids. Uh, this is a ministry that we're out of space. Uh, it is amazing the strong number of people who are not members of our church that come that are a part of this. We want to continue this uh, ministry and continue to grow it. And then special needs ministry. Special needs ministry, most of our special needs family are within that rectangle. Some are outside and drive long distances for that. We have 40 families and 170 volunteers a part of special needs. We've had 15 families join in the last 18 months. This is a growing ministry, and we want to continue to grow it. And we're going to continue to provide the facilities for it so that they can be able to have the room that they need. This is huge to reach out in our community. But there's one final thing in our community engagement, and that is we have a goal to replant or plant a local church. Let me explain to you what that means when you talk about replant. Sometimes within areas, there are churches that uh, have had a, maybe a long history, and then all of a sudden, uh, by lack of vision or community change or whatever, uh, it has gone down to a, just a very critical mass of people, and it looks like that they may be shutting their doors. 
but yet they would like for the legacy of that church to continue. So what we would like to do is to be able to be a church that would step in and say, we would like to help you. We would like to uh, make this live and vibrant again. And it would mean that our church would go in and we'd bring leadership, probably take someone from our staff to go and to pastor that church. And uh, we would place funds into that church. We would uh, put things in to fix up, the, um, fix up the buildings, to get them ready. And then encourage some of our members who maybe live in that area to go over to that area and give six months or a year of their life and provide some strategy and excitement and, and share a new vision for the community and to go out there and be vibrant once again. That's what's called a replant. Or we may also, in addition, then plant a local church. As we look around our area, are there some areas that, that are just underserved? and that Shades Mountain needs to go and plant uh, a church there. Uh, there's a pin map that we have that will give you an idea of where our people live. This is, this, is, this is where we are. We're hidden down right here in the middle over here. And so you can see how our people are spread out. And if you take that rectangle and place it in the middle of this, this is like our community engagement right in here. This is where, where we are and so what we are looking for is there may be some areas over in these, some of these areas, or even up in some of them, just even out, barely outside of it, that need a replant or that we could plant a local church. And if you put a local church there, then there could be people who live in some of these areas that say, hey, we'll volunteer. We'll volunteer to go over there and help be a part of that and to serve with that church. So we're looking to replant or plant a local church. That's community engagement, and that's going to be a huge part of where we go for our vision. Second of all is that we go outside our community, and we're going to work for the transformation of the West End of Birmingham in partnership with Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. Five years ago, we built a relationship with, with Dr. Wesley. This is an African-American church, and we have built relationships specifically really in the men's ministry. I've done a number of things with them. And as we have grown in our walk and relationship, we even have one of our members, Don Jones, who's on their staff handling their missions work. And so now we're ready to take the steps to see Dr. Wesley's dream come true, and that is a transformation of the West End. The first project is a job creation center. And so there's some ideas for that. We're putting a team together, and we're going to start putting feet to some of these ideas and the goal is to see the West End transformed. And um, how great would it be to take historically a place that has got a lot of great history in it, but has gone on tough times over these last number of years. If we could all step in, a predominantly white church with a predominantly African-American church joining hands and in bringing other partners in and saying, let's work together and let's see if we can see a transformation take place in the West End. And so that's a part of what we want to do. Third of all is we will continue to support our missions efforts, and we want to support church plants in all five of the North American Mission Board regions. Now, just want to let you know what that looks like. Uh, it has been said that if you reach the cities, you will reach the nation. If you reach the cities, you'll reach the nation. 83% of our population now lives in metropolitan areas. 
And so the major population centers in North America are vital mission fields for kingdom growth. What the North American Mission Board has done is they have prioritized its work in 32 cities. They've identified 32 cities over North America, and that is where they want to put church planting efforts. Let me just give you a, a view of the map. They divide it into, into five regions. You have Northeast, and you have South, you have Midwest, and you have the West, and you have Canada up here. And every dot that you see is one of the 32, they call them SEND cities, S-E-N-D, not sin, S-I-N. Just want to let you know that. <laughs> it gets confusing when we talk about it. Some, hey, sign me up for the sin city. I want to be a part of that. Uh, there is sin in the sin cities, but let's, we're just calling them sinned cities. And so there are 32 across the board. What our goal is, is that we would like to be a supporting church in each one of these regions. Now, let me share where we are today. Where we are today, <coughs> excuse me, is that we have uh, churches in, uh, uh, in Canada, and we also have New York, and we also have Miami. And so, first of all, you'll look in Toronto, Canada. We have one church, and that's the Housers. And uh, you know Mike and Tanya Hauser, and uh, they're a great couple that have been with us at GIC, going to be with us again uh, this coming month uh, in February. So the Housers in Toronto, Canada. When you get to New York City, we've got five church plants. And let's just real quick show. We got Drew Griffin, and he's in Manhattan. Then we've also uh, got James Roberson. He's the Bridge Church in Brooklyn, New York. Then uh, we've got uh, R.C. Sylvanus, and uh, he's of Nepalese descent. He has a church in Queens working with Nepali people. Then uh, I believe uh, Sterling Edwards. Sterling Edwards has just taken a new church. He was on Long Island. Now he's in Park Slope Community in Brooklyn, New York. And then uh, also, last of all, the newest one, you will meet him, Yukon Chu. And uh, he is on the campus of Rutgers University, which is a part of the tri-state uh, metropolitan area of New York. He is on campus there planning a church, and this is a fascinating individual, and I'm excited for you to come and uh, to meet him. Uh, and if you're thinking about somebody to pray for, you might want to pray for him. just got an email that he was playing a basketball game, and it was on a fast break, and he got run into the wall and had a concussion. And has had some memory uh, trouble over these last uh, last few days. So uh, we want to pray for Yukon. But what an amazing individual. He is New York. We've got those covered. But then in the south, we have Miami. And we have two churches in Miami. We have Derek Allen. And then we have also have Todd Peterson there. Now, our goal is is that we've got three regions. We want to get the other two regions covered. And so if you show the map again, you'll see where we're going is that we're going to be adding uh, three people to come with us. One of them is in Washington, D.C., which I know that's already in that area, but it looks like a sharp person that we would like to support. But then also um, Tucson, Arizona, which is right in the Phoenix area. We have a church planner coming there that would cover West, and we have a church planner coming from Indianapolis, Indiana that we want to meet. And so these are people that we're going to vet and meet with them and hope it'll work out. But one way or another, we will cover all five regions. Now, our partnerships will last about three or four years. So when one partnership ends, we'll look for someone else in that region to build that partnership. We want to continue to do that as supporting churches. But then let me tell you also what we're, our goal is, and that is that we want to be a sending church in two different send cities. And listen closely. There's a difference in supporting. What you do when you're supporting church, you pray for them, you participate with mission projects, and you provide financial resources. For us and our Make Jesus Known, 
we would provide about fifteen to twenty thousand dollars a year for about three years for a church plant if we are supporting it. When you send it, you're like the mama, and you are the parents, and you're sending this church. And you know, parents spend more money on their kids than aunts and uncles, and so that costs probably about a hundred thousand dollars a year to be able to do that. You're taking a staff member, probably a staff member from here to pastor it, or we find another person that we've got like-mindedness and bring them on and work with them for a while. We will even encourage some of our people to go out there and to be a part to that particular sin city. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big goal, but I think that we need to step up and do that. And, uh, and so we're already praying. What is the city? Who do you want to send there, Lord? And let us as a church be willing to do that and then make the step up uh, to handle that. And then internationally, internationally what we'd like to do is we want to adopt an unreached people group. Um, if you, you hear this talked about sometimes, let me just give you visually what it looks like. Uh, there are about 16,000 people groups, <clears throat> and they have some that are minimally reached, superficially, partially, significantly but right here in the red zone, 6,693 unreached people groups. And some of those are unengaged where they've never heard the gospel. Others, it's less than 1% even have a gospel touch. So working with Jeremy and working with the International Mission Board, we're going to identify and we're going to put prayer power into it and hopefully get opportunities even to send teams to take the gospel to people who've never had the gospel before. Now, we will continue to take our short-term trips Our hope is that we take about 35 trips a year, about 1,500 members go every year. And I would hope that you would sign up and be a part of that because it's life-changing for you and also for the people that you're able to get with. But it's interesting, when you look at that, it's kind of like an Acts 1-8 strategy, isn't it? When Jesus told his disciples, you'll be uh, my witnesses in Jerusalem, the city, Judea, that's the little province, Samaria, which is above it, and the uttermost parts of the world. We have community engagement, which is right there in that rectangle. But then we also have, that's our Jerusalem, but our Judea is going downtown, Urban Purpose, Jimmy Hale, Foundry, ministries like that, working with West End and the transformation. Our Samaria, North American Mission Board, planting churches all over North America. And then International, Unreached People Group, and continue to taking teams to move out there. So all of that, is a part of our strategy as to what we want to do. As I thought about this, I was reminded of a uh, trip that I took, a mission trip, one of the first ones I took, uh, about the second one, excuse me, from this church. Uh, I went to Venezuela. We took a team to Venezuela. We were doing medical uh, missions in that we took a dentist and we also took opticians. And we tried to help people to get glasses and then we also were helping people to get their, um, uh, their dental needs met. We would sit down with them and share the gospel with them, and then we would also take those names and give them to the pastor of that church. But every person on the team wore scrubs, and so we had our little medical scrubs on. And I can remember me walking around, people coming up to me, speaking Spanish, a language I did not understand, holding a child, saying, in essence, we need help, this child is sick, or coming to me and saying, my back's hurting, can you help me, and all that stuff. And I am really in a bad position. Number one, I don't speak the language. Number two, I'm not a doctor. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm dressed like one. I'm just not one. And I just don't know how to speak the language. So I really couldn't help them much. And you know, when I thought about that, I thought about a lot of us as members are that way. We're dressed in the scrubs. We got the Christian scrubs on. 
And people see us and say, ooh, you're a Christian. And then they come to you in a time of pain and need and hurt, and you just don't know the language. You don't know God's word. You've not been in the word. You've not had that close walk with God, and you really don't know what to say to him. And so when we talk about being live sent, it's more than just having a destination to say, hey, we're live sent wherever God calls us. It is live sent being prepared, and we need to be prepared. So how are we going to prepare? Let me tell you what we're going to do as a church. These just bullet statements real quick, and this is what we're going to be emphasizing over these next number of years. Number one is this, and that will, we will be ratcheting up our discipleship development. We will be ratcheting up our discipleship development. Uh, Chad Kossabun has been working with all of our educational staff, and everything is being focused into the vision of this church, and we are taking things to a whole different level and uh, to better prepare all of our people to live sent. Number two is we're strengthening marriages and families. Strengthening marriages and families. Uh, we have uh, Lisa Davis, who is our family minister. And so it's like an umbrella. Everything from preschool all the way to senior adults, everything is coordinated. So that we are taking the youngest of children to tell them about who Jesus is all the way through their childhood years, all the way through their teenage years, until as they go through college as single, single adults, and if they get married, is married, all the way to grandparents is that everything we got, we put it on an umbrella. And we're providing opportunities uh, for people to get stronger in their marriages and help them in their parenting. And there's more and more things that we're doing, reaching out in this community to say, we would like to be a resource. And if you're going through a tough time, if you're not even a member of this church, that's fine with us. You come and you meet some people that love you and will give you some guidance and some direction along that way. Number three is intensifying our praying. Intensifying our praying. If we're thinking about replanning or planning a church, which we are, God's the one that's got to give it a very clear word as to where that would be. So we want to be praying about that. If we're going into schools and we're trying to minister to uh, both the administrators, the teachers and the coaches, and also the students, we need to pray about that. We can't go in our own power. And so we're going to be encouraging our people to take it to another level of praying because it's not just Shades Mountain ideas. It's we are followers of Christ. We're taking your directions, Lord. We're just your ambassadors, but all the power comes from you. And number four is this, moving people from success to significance. Moving people from success to significance. Now, this applies to everyone, but more specifically to sort of our baby boomers. Uh, 31% of our congregation are ages 50 to 69, almost one-third from 50 to 69, and for that age group, we're initiating a ministry called Halftime Ministry. Now, Halftime is a book Bob Buford wrote a number of years ago, and there is a ministry out of Dallas, Texas called Halftime Institute. And uh, we are going to take halftime material and present this to our congregation, to especially to those that are 50 to 69 and even older. Because what happens is, is a lot of people know what they want to do for the first half of their life, but they're clueless for what they're supposed to do in the second half. And the second half of their life is more than just playing golf and going on trips. It needs to be something that is of significance. And a lot of people will get to a point where they've achieved some type of success in their first half of life, but now what we want to do is then move that to significance. What can you do for the kingdom of God? What can you do for the kingdom of God. And so we are bringing on a new staff member 
and it's going to be called the pastor of mobilization. And the pastor of mobilization, one of his responsibilities will be this halftime ministry. But another part of his is going to be helping people understand live sent in a different culture in a different location. We talk a big game and saying, hey, we need to be willing to go wherever you need to go. What we're doing is we're bringing on an individual who when you have that question about what does it take for me to pack up my family or take my career and go overseas or to go to another state, what all is involved in making that decision and what are the things I need to consider to do? This individual will be one that will actively be uh, pursuing people and talking to people and be that resource for you to come to. And so I want you to think about this. We talk about live sin. We talk about in the sending in these cities, these 32 sin cities, when we match up with someone, and whether it be Toronto, New York, Miami, Washington, D.C., Indianapolis, or Tucson, what would thrill me is that there's some people in our church that say, you know what, I can connect with that church planner. I'd like to go out there. You know, for those that are single adults, you sit there and say, you know, I don't have a whole lot of roots that are tying me down over here. I can take the career, what I do, and it'd be easy for me to be able to say, instead of doing that right here in Birmingham, I may want to do that in Tucson. I may want to do that in Indianapolis. I'm going to go to Miami. I want to go to one of these sin cities. And when you do that, you partner with that church planter. And now all of a sudden, he's got a member that's going to have a job and be able to tithe and provide some funds for him, but also kind of roll up the sleeves and give him some elbow grease and be a help there. You know, a number of years ago, we helped support a church in Las Vegas called Grace Point. And in the midst of, of uh, their pastor coming here and sharing his vision, one of our members, who was, a, I believe it was a Sanford graduate, who was going to be a teacher, after she graduated, she says, I can teach anywhere. She moved out to Las Vegas. She got a teaching job, and she began to work through that church. It was perfect. So I say for every college student that is here, that when you were thinking about getting ready to graduate, when graduation's coming there, you need to consider. You need to have a talk with Kevin Naylor and talk with Jeremy and talk with our live sent minister when he gets here and say, you know what? This is the career that I've got. I've studied for. Let me think about. Could God use me here? Could God use me overseas? You know, David Platt is the new president of the International Mission Board. He has made the statement that we can't do things as we've been doing it in the past. We can't think that we can reach billions of people with the gospel with 5,000 paid missionaries. We cannot throw out enough money to get enough people over there. It's just not going to work. So what we need is we need live sent members. We need people that say, I've got a heart for the people in, and you fill in the blank. And God's put them on my heart. I did a mission trip over there. I read about it. I saw a special on TV. Who knows? But I've got a heart for them. And you can contact the International Mission Board and our live sent minister and talk to them and say, I have got this particular skill. It may be nurse, maybe doctor, maybe attorney. It may be uh, an accountant. Uh, it may be construction work. How can I use that over there? And then all of a sudden, you're saying, Birmingham's not where I'm going to stay. I'm going to go over here. And see, that to me is what's going to set this apart from any other chapter in, in our life. And some of you are saying, Dan, it sounds like you want to get rid of a lot of members over here. <laughs> no. What I want is I want all of us to say, God, what is it that you've called me to do? And I want to, put, I want to be open. And when you put your yes on the table, you really are putting your yes on the table and saying, I'm open. 
for whatever it is that you've called me to do. And I just think that's going to be exciting. And I believe as we continue to pray, we get involved in this community, I'm hoping more and more people will come in and will worship with us here. But the more people we get in here is not what's going to change the world. What's going to change the world is that the people that come in here, we then send them out and we live sent. And our whole life is being live sent. And that's what we want to do. And that's what our goal is. Live sent. Well, this is the challenge that I think is before us as a church as we turn the page. In just a few minutes, uh, we close the service. You will walk out these doors, and when you walk out these doors, you'll be a part of writing the next chapter in the life of Shades Mountain Baptist Church. And my challenge to you is that you walk out and you write that chapter, that you'll walk out, live sent. Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the blessings that you have given us and how you've poured out your blessings on us. But Lord, let us be the people, the disciples that were in Matthew 5, the committed climbing companions that would sit at your feet and listen to your teachings. And then, Lord, let us be those companions that in Matthew 9, that we look out over the crowds and when we look out into our community and beyond, that we do that with compassion. And it would break our heart even as it broke your son's heart. And then, Lord, we pray that as we've looked out over them, that we would pray for laborers to the harvest. And then, Lord, that we would have a life that is so prepared and ready that you would use us to go out into that ripened harvest field and to share the good news and to see people come into fellowship with you. And so, Father, we, um, it's like a next chapter in life of this church. And so we pray, Lord, that as we intensify our praying, that you'll continue to guide us and direct us and help us to be so flexible that we move the directions that you want us to move. And, Lord, we trust that. You've done that with us all these years. But my main prayer is that every person here, Lord, every individual would be asking, God, what can I do? What is it you want me to do? How can I be a laborer in the harvest? And may we all be people that are live sent. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.